Hello you, how are you? Welcome to the Papers podcast for Thursday as the 25th of January 2024. I'm Richie Allen. It's nice to chat with you this morning. It's raining out there in Salford, but it's very mild. Now, you're up to speed on local weather here. It's 6.18 as I record this, and I'm going to go straight to the front pages of the dailies, the Daily Mail. There is a photograph of a woman on the front page. Uh, Two women. There is a photograph of Claudia Schiffer, and she has a shoulder bag inside the bag, peering out of a like a window. I don't know how to explain this. You'll have to go and look at the front page of the Daily Mail. (laughs) Claudia Schiffer has got a shoulder bag and it looks like, I don't know, a miniature space shuttle lander or something. And there's a cat peering out from a little, a little round window. Let the cat out of the bag is the caption. She was at a, she was at a premiere of a movie and took her cat with her in a bag. There you are. Also on the front page, I'm 64, was married for 35 years. I've had five children, but I've never had an orgasm, says some woman who I don't recognise. There you are. First class fiasco is the real headline on the front page of the Daily Mail. It's a report on Royal Mail proposals, which might see postal deliveries cut from six to five days per week, or possibly even as low as three. There you are. Okay. And uh, I'm just reading that Claudia Schiffer's cat starred in a film which is entitled what? What's it called? Um, I have no idea what it's called, but her cat starred in a movie. Anyway, so there you are. And th- th- that, that was the premiere. I'll give you half the story. First class fiasco, Royal Mail story on front page of the Daily Mail. The Daily Express, you will deliver. PM vows no Royal Mail cutback. So during Prime Minister's questions yesterday afternoon, Sunak said no, there will not be any cuts to the delivery days that you would expect to receive your mail. So that's the Express, the Daily Mirror, face-to-face with gastric op death surgeon. You may have read about this. You may have read about a a young woman, a 20-year-old young woman, who went to Turkey for surgery, for gastric surgery, to help her lose weight. And she re- she died um, after collapsing on a flight home back to the UK. The papers, some of them have tracked down the surgeon in question in Turkey. Uh, his name, um, they've given his name, and he says she was fine when she left here. His name is Dr. Serkan Bayil. Serkan Bayil, he said, I did nothing wrong. I sent her home. And she was fine. She must have picked up a blood clot on the plane. The woman in question is Morgan Ribeiro. But doctors here are saying that there were cuts in her stomach, in the lining of her stomach. And they're saying that this guy made a balls, they're not using that term, that he botched the operation. There's a cautionary tale there. The Daily Telegraph PM forced to rule out army draft as Russian threat rises. So you would have heard yesterday comments by General Sir Patrick Sanders that the UK must be ready to train and equip citizens for future conflicts, particularly conflicts with Russia. But um, Sunak apparently is saying, no, don't worry about that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're okay, don't worry, we won't be drafting you, uh, Sunak is saying. The Times, UK should have citizen army to see off Russia. 
you know what that's all about. Also on the front page of the Times, and I will talk about this in a few minutes, Blair and Haig back selling NHS data to boost AI treatment. Blair and Haig back selling NHS data to boost AI treatment. The Metro... Uh, the Metro General, your country will need you to fight Putin. Same story. The Sun leads with Ellie's secret dates with Bobby. Now, I pop culture is a distant memory to me. I have no idea what's popular. I'm not down with the kids, so I haven't a clue. But this is a story about Strictly Come Dancing and EastEnders. EastEnders, a guy called Bobby Brazier has been enjoying secret dates with some woman who won Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah. The front page of the OI, post office new second IT system had faults but prosecuted staff. Anyway, this is the never-ending story that is the post office scandal, where sub-postmasters were prosecuted for fraud, even though it was known by the post office and by Fujitsu, the company that manufactured the software known as Horizon, they knew that these postmasters and postmistresses were not fiddling the books. They knew. But some of them went to prison in any case. It's not good. It's not nice. But Jesus, I'm tired of it now. Financial Times. France urges UK to plug multi-billion pound gap in nuclear power projects. That's a story in the Times. The Financial Times Daily Star has a photograph of the sitcom character Father Jack Hackett holding a glass of red wine. And they've got a little speech bubble on the front page of the star. And Father Jack is saying, drink. Jack was played by the great Irish actor Frank Kelly, rest in peace. What's the story about? Well, the headline is Hallelujah. Just days after praising Rumpy Pumpy, the actual real-life Pope now claims that booze is a gift from God. Fantastic. I wish he'd said it on January 3rd. It might have given me the excuse I needed to return to boozing. It is the 25th today, day 25 for me, of sobriety. Day 25, another day where I won't be imbibing. But, um, yeah, I'm doing okay with it, as I've said before. So those were the front pages of the UK dailies. Let's go inside the papers, knock, knock, open wide. Come with me to the other side. Knock, knock anymore, come with me. Through the magic door. Words which will be known to every Irish man and woman over 39, I reckon. I'm not going to share it with you. If you're overseas, if you're not from Ireland, I'm not going to tell you what that was all about. Okay, the story, which was um, one of several stories on the front page of the Times. Tony Blair and William Hague, right, sell NHS data to fund medical advances. So that's the headline. So Blair and Hague are saying, to fund medical advances, especially around artificial intelligence, why don't you sell NHS data? sell anonymized medical records to help develop cutting-edge treatments, including AI doctors giving personal monitoring of all parent, uh, patients. It's very early in the morning. I'm a little bit tired, so forgive me. Let me start that again. I get annoyed with myself when this happens. It's very early. Maybe I'll push the papers back a little bit later in the morning. Anyway, let me start again. Fucking pissed off at myself. Blair and Hager saying, sell NHS data, but make it anonymous. Give it to companies who, are, who will produce cutting-edge treatments, which will enable everybody to have their own personal AI doctor to monitor, monitor you all the time. Does that 
sound fucking dystopian to you? Well, it does to me. That's what they're suggesting, Blair and Haig. This future where you won't have a physical human doctor. You won't actually have a man or a woman that you can pop around to see. No, you'll have artificial intelligence treating you, recommending personal personalised treatments. So the former Labour PM and former Conservative leader, so Blair, former Labour PM, former Tory leader Haig, say that harnessing the coming revolution in biotechnology and artificial intelligence should become, quote, a new national purpose. Blair is evil. Beyond that, it's unimaginable how sick Blair is, isn't it, really? Now, they've written in the Times today, these guys, supposedly for former political rivals, supposedly, and they say, the best hope for the future of our country is to capitalise on the fastest and the most far-reaching technological revolution in the history of human civilization. Blair, and this is contained in the Times article, Blair and Haig united last year to recommend digital ID cards as a way of improving access to public services and making Whitehall more effective. So why would you want a digital ID card for every human being in the UK to help them access public services? The only reason that makes any sense is if your digital ID card would be like a social credit card and that if you were being a good boy and a good girl and taking your medicine as, you know, recommended to you by your National Health Service, well, by doing that, you can access public services. Now, some people listening to this will say, Richie, you're adding two and two together and making five. That's a stretch. But listen to that sentence again. Blair and Haig recommended digital ID cards as a way of improving access to public services and making Whitehall more effective. Now, people will say, my critics might say, not that I have too many critics, at least they're not public in any case, but they will say, well, what that really means is, is that if they can give you a digital ID card, which stores all of your medical information, that they can better understand your needs and send you to the right departments and the right places whenever you need to go. Okay, I accept that, but I don't believe that. I believe that digital ID cards will eventually be wrapped up in a social credit card system whereby you take what you're told to take, you do what you're told to do in order not to become a burden on the NHS. If you don't do it, well, you won't get access to public services. In fact, you won't be allowed to participate in society. Blair is quoted in the Times. An extraordinary age of gene therapies is beginning. <laughs> gene therapies. You can go fuck yourself. Stick your gene ter- therapies in your M or an A jabs up your arse, I would say to Blair. But that's the main story in the Times today. Tony Blair and William Haig, not a medical degree amongst them. They want digital ID cards for everybody. They want your data to be given. Oh, we'll anonymise your data so that the companies receiving it won't know who it is. Bollocks. Bollocks. The Times at least goes on to say that um, the plans by people like Blair and Haig, backed, of course, by Bill Gates and his Gates Foundation, have been hampered by privacy concerns. And long may their plans be hampered by privacy concerns. Let's look inside the Telegraph. Maybe I've misjudged 20-somethings, maybe. Headline, third of British young people say Israel acting like Nazis. Yes, a survey conducted by YouGov at the behest of the campaign 
against anti-Semitism. The Campaign Against Anti-Semitism is a hilarious organisation. It's run by a, by a dickhead called Gideon Falter, a real scumbag. I've had previous with this prick over the years, right? It purports to be a charity looking out for the best interests of Jews. It isn't. It's a Zionist attack dog, right? An organisation whose funding is incredibly murky. It is a Zionist attack dog, the campaign against anti-Semitism, which seeks out criticism of Israel in the UK and attempts to destroy the person or persons criticising Israel. Remember at one time David Icke, my old pal, um, looked into going after the campaign against anti-Semitism to try and go after the charity commission to see if the campaign against anti-Semitism could have its charity status removed. It is uh, an organisation with only two or three people working for it. And that's all it does. It attempts to destroy people who criticise criticise Israel. So this organisation, the Campaign Against Anti-Semitism, has labelled 20-somethings, wait for it, this is a fact, it is calling the UK's 20-somethings Generation Hate. Because a poll uh, suggests that 30% of all young adults aged between 18 to 24, 34% even, agreed with the statement Israel treats Palestinians like the Nazis treated the Jews. Now that is a factual statement. It is self-evident. It is absolutely accurate. Israel does treat uh, Palestinians like the Nazis treated the Jews. It's a fact. It is irrefutable. So if you put that statement to people, I'm surprised that it is only 34% saying, yes, I agree with that. It should be more like 80 or 85% because it's a fact. But if you think that, according to the campaign against anti-Semitism, you are an anti-Semite and something must be done about you. Uh, the charity, which it isn't, um, is um, calling for action against people who think and say such things. We are absolutely moving into tyranny world now, aren't we? Wonderful. Um, they conducted the poll because Holocaust Memorial Day, which is commemorated on January 27th, which of course is Saturday, and they're saying that worrying levels of anti-Jewish prejudice among the British public um, is leading to generation hate, which is a load of bollocks. There are no negative attitudes towards Jewish people in the UK. Jewish people are our friends and our neighbours and our workmates and they are our bosses and they are our subordinates. They are the people we see when we go shopping. They are the people we see when we take our children to basketball and football and hockey. They're just people. And nobody blames the people, the Jewish population of the UK for anything happening in Gaza because it's got nothing to do with them. This is bollocks. The campaign against anti-Semitism, as I said, is a rabid, rancid attack dog for the state of Israel. It's not a charity and it doesn't really give a shit about Jews in the UK. And Gideon Falter, who leads that organisation, is a fucking coward. A pathetic, wretched, disgusting, measly little coward who has been invited to debate publicly by a number of people, not just this uh, broadcaster, about um, attitudes towards Jews in the UK. And he does what squeamish, squirming cowards do. They run for the hills with their tails tucked between their legs. Israel is, of course, doing to the Palestinians the same things that were done to Jews in Nazi Germany. Of course. They are being wiped out, ethnically cleansed, genocided, by the Israeli Defence Forces, and all the world can fucking see it. No matter what, I'm not going to continue, because I'll start fucking ranting, and I don't want to rant. Let's look at the Express. 
Parents fear gadgets are damaging their children's health. Health even. Parents fear gadgets are damaging their children's health. Well, duh. Really? Uh, Internet Matters is an online safety charity and it does a study every year. And it says, and it's right, that parents are becoming increasingly concerned that gadgets, smartphones and tablets and being online constantly in their free time is damaging kids' health and it's eating away at family time. So this annual study found that uh, parents are increasingly concerned that the time spent on devices is cutting into traditionally family-oriented time. Around 63% of parents also believe too much time online is negatively affecting their children's health. I do believe that a Conservative Party MP known as Miriam Cates brought this, uh, raised even this issue at Prime Minister's questions yesterday. She asked him would he look into maybe looking into maybe creating a bill that would ban smartphones for children aged 16 and under, which is preposterous. I think the horse has left the stable. I don't think you can do anything about that now. But that was her, that was her recommendation, this MP, that kids under 16 shouldn't be having these devices. Anyway, some 50% of parents were concerned that screen, screen time even is impacting on children's sleep patterns. Of course it is. Let's leave that one there. The Sun, speaking of this guy, General Sanders, no relation to Colonel Sanders, and his claim, that Patrick Sanders, that, you know, fighting off Putin in World War Three should be a whole-of-nation undertaking. That's what he said. You know, we, we might have to bring in conscription to mobilise mobilize citizens to get them to fight. We need to start thinking. He said people need to be on a military mindset as we go forward. I'm not going to rant about that. I had plenty to say about it yesterday. Well, The Sun has what it calls an exclusive. It, speak, it, has, it has spoken to ex-Royal Marine Ben McBean. That's his real name. Uh, he lost an arm and a leg in Afghanistan, this guy, this veteran. He said, forget about it. You'll have to drag people kicking and screaming to, to, to fight, he says, because poor pay conditions and shoddy veteran care will give Britons no incentive whatsoever to sign up. And he's absolutely right when he says shoddy veteran care. You know, puppet masters like Tony Blair, sorry, puppets, he's not a puppet master, like Blair and uh, later on Brown and Cameron and, and Johnson and Theresa May, they're all about sending people overseas to fight in illegal wars. But when they get blown to pieces, these poor bastards, they don't look after them very well when they come back. So, uh, yeah, he's warning that you'll never get people to join the army or to pick up a, a gun to defend the country because they know that the pay and conditions and the way veterans are treated is deplorable. He says the recruiting system isn't great. Uh, even where he lives, uh, the recruiting office has closed down. That's in the sun. The Guardian is a worrying story inside. Over a third of UK grassroots music venues are loss-making, a charity has found. This is the charity Music Venues Trust, and it has found that 38% of 835 venues, right, um, most of them small and entirely independent, made a loss with the cost of rent, a particular pressure point. Venues that rented their premises saw these costs increase by an average of 37.5% 
over a 12-month period. That is, how the fuck can you run a business when your rent goes up in a single year by 37.5%? According to The Guardian, there were 960 grassroots music venues in 2022, but that number dropped by 125 last year, with around half of those closing altogether. High-profile examples include Moles, which is a venue in Bath, once hosting the likes of Radiohead and Ed Sheeran on their path to success. There are people listening to this podcast who will say this is part, this is one facet of an overall agenda. Right, again, this great reset agenda. You know, Agenda 2030, climate change, you know. Yeah, it's awful, isn't it? Pubs closing and nightclubs closing up and down the country, now music venues closing up and down the country. It's deliberate, of course. It's difficult to explain this to people, and people don't want to hear it, but it is a deliberate plan. It's terrible, you know. What is theatre? What is music? Well, theatre and music are the food and drink of the soul, are they not? Getting out and about and spending time with real people in happiness. Think back to the last time you went to see a gig, a music gig that you really enjoyed. Think about the feeling of euphoria, the happiness at being amongst people, the shared energetic experience of enjoying the music and singing along, and how important that is for your well-being. This is deliberate, you know. But people don't want to hear it. They don't know it. So yeah, these venues seen as the lifeblood of the UK music scene, 125 gone last year, and more to close in 2024, says The Guardian. Where do young musicians, young men and women, young singers and bands, where do they go before they, you know, where do they go to play their music before they have any record deal? Well, they go to these grassroots music venues. Well, guess what? In a couple of years' time, there won't be any left. Uh, Back to the Times, entrenched inactivity condemns children to lives of obesity. That's not surprising. Well, it's about the pandemic, really. Uh, This story, well, the scamdemic and lockdowns. Lockdowns led to the largest increase in child obesity in decades as activity levels plummeted due to school and sports club closures and screen time increase. So that's related to the earlier story about uh, children spending too much time on their screens. Well, the screen time went up during the lockdowns because kids couldn't go and do the physical activities that they had been doing. Going to the scouts, going to the girl guides, playing for the local football club, playing for the local, as I said, hockey club and basketball club and netball clubs. No, that closed down so kids became obese and it this weight gain has become entrenched in children according to uh, this massive survey of children's habits post the covid scam one in five children are now obese by the time they leave primary school research shows most of them will stay overweight as adults but don't panic because tony blair and william Hague and billy gates they have a jab for you which will help with your diabetes yeah The Telegraph, BBC accused of letting Dragon's Den entrepreneur make unfounded health claims. Have you seen, do you watch Dragon's Den? Do you know what it's about? It's a programme where would-be entrepreneurs, people with small businesses or new businesses, uh, go and stand in front of a group, usually five, Dragons. These are people who have been successful in business and they pitch their idea, they pitch their companies to the dragons in the hope of securing 
investment from one or more of the dragons. There's a bit of controversy. The new series has just begun. And a woman called Giselle Boxer went before the dragons. There were six this time. This time they included guest dragon Gary Neville, the former Man United defender and the commentator for Sky. This woman said that ear seeds, beads which stick to the ear, had helped her recovery from myalgic encephalomyelitis. I said it right first time. Give that boy a banana. Myalgic encephalomyelitis. Myelitis. That's otherwise known as ME or chronic fatigue syndrome. So she said that these ear seeds, these ear seeds, these beads which you stick to your ear work and help with your chronic fatigue. She was offered an investment by every one of the dragons. And the episode went out a couple of weeks ago. But um, the charity for ME, um, or a charity, uh, which is known as Action for ME, criticised the programme for promoting misleading information. And a number of newspapers are quoting doctors, like 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 regu- regular doctors, mainstream doctors, saying that basically this is pseudoscience and the BBC shouldn't be doing it. And it gets even more. Uh, the, the plot thickens even further because it has emerged. The BBC approached this woman and asked her to take part. Where people watching Dragon's Den might imagine is that entrepreneurs write into the programme or apply to be involved. In this case, the BBC reached out and invited the woman to come on. And this is proving controversial. She, Ms. Boxer, Giselle, said, I never said the ear seeds are a cure, but they formed part of the healing approach that supported me uh, in helping me with ME. Interesting story. Uh, Dr. Charles Shepard advises the ME Association uh, has been particularly scathing. He's written to the BBC to say this is an unproven medical product and the BBC allowed this to be promoted with an uncritical promotion. It has been promoted uncritically and he's pissed off. They do tend to go into overdrive, don't they? Uh, The media, whenever anybody gets any publicity for a natural health product, they go into overdrive in an attempt to discredit it, don't they? Yeah, they really do. I'm looking at the BBC news website now to see is there anything worth telling you about. Not sure. Um, Not really. The the BBC news website basically going with many of the stories I've discussed with you uh, just now. So I can safely say then that uh, was the papers. Those were the best of the papers for this day, Thursday... Uh, January 25th, 2024. Richie Allen Show is live, of course. The radio show will be live at four o'clock this evening. Join me there. I look forward to your company. Until then, have a great rest of your Thursday. From the BBG, it is Arrivederci. Bye.